0: Hi, this is Sam Garman. And I'm Michael Soto. You're listening to Transform.
1: The podcast where we explore the stories and experiences of folks who are transgender
0: beyond the transition. One, two, three, four. What did your mom say? What is your real name? How about those drugs that you take? And does your voice change? How come you don't feel ashamed? What kind of love do you make? But you don't care about my
2: answer.
0: Your questions ignore me Let me tell you a story
2: Today our guest is Shane. Shane, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I am Shane Maxwell. I am almost 36. I came out as trans- Let's see. Yeah, a little over four years ago, um, officially. I had previously kind of came to that realization when I was like 20 Mm -hmm. in college. Um, And uh, my partner at the time, I told told one other person at that time, and they were super supportive. I'm still friends with them to this day. Um, And they were like, okay, what do you think your next steps need to be? And I was like, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z. And my partner at the time – Uh, told her and I had written her this like three page letter and was like, this is, I think I might need to transition. And her response was if I wanted to date a boy, I would have stayed with my boyfriend. Wow. And I was like, okay. Okay. Should have been a huge red flag. Like, okay, bye. Yeah. Stayed with her for like another eight years. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and I was just like, okay, I'll just put that on the back burner. Um, Mm -hmm. and I did and just left it there for years and then was in a really toxic, horrible relationship. Mm -hmm. And that finally ended. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is coming back up. And I think I probably need to need to deal with it and figure it out. And, um, and so came out and had a really good response from friends, family, initially. Um, some of that kind of faded off and has not been so great, but, um, Overall, my whole process, like I came out kind of officially to family and friends in December of 2013, and then by March of 2014, I was on hormones, so... Um, I had done a lot of research and like immersed myself in the internets and the interwebs (laughs) and the YouTubes, you know, thank God for all those youngins like they, (laughs) yes, the YouTubes. So, um, yeah. And then I took a break from doing social worky type job stuff. I worked at Starbucks for about a year and a half specifically for their benefits and their open, um, you know, view towards things and i ended up at a store that was really wonderful and made lifelong friends there and if it weren't for that experience i would not be where i am today i wouldn't be sitting here with you guys today so um so yeah that's kind of where we're at uh shane what uh, uh pgps do you use oh he him his great
0: one of the things that we think is really interesting is having conversations about um, the experiences of being trans outside of this space of transitioning. I think that that story has been um, fairly well documented. I mean, there's been a bunch of, I mean, there's even a current documentary out about it right now, about a year in transition. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of a a standard trans storyline about the coming out transitioning. But I think that having conversations beyond that are really powerful because it provides a different, um, a different lens into what it is to be trans. And I think there's a, you know, there's a level of humanity that people experience, um, that that is not related to parts and pieces and is related to like the way that we live in the world. So we wanted to talk about masculinity and our experiences with masculinity. So we're all people who were. Uh, we, you know, in the, in the in the trans community, we talk about being socialized as a woman, um, <laughs> and so you know that that space of being raised as girls and as young women, and then um, and but now we are living in this authentic space and what feels very true for us in our gender identity, right. um, and so we had to learn some new stuff, and so we um, <laughs> and unlearn some stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> And oh. and and I think our experience of masculinity is very different than the average person's experience yeah. of masculinity because we all had to come to it with a much broader perspective where we were looking at it for what it was and not just like, you know, it's like ask a fish to describe water. Right. Like ask a cisgender dude to describe masculinity like you've just been sort of swimming in it all along. Mm-hmm. So right. um, that's part of why we wanted to have this conversation about masculinity.
1: Well, I think for cisgender men uh, or for with cisgender women right with femininity um it's we're often raised to believe that masculine is the domain of boys and men right masculinity mm-hmm. and feminine is the domain of girls and women um and that those things are natural and they go together always right and they don't yes. go the opposite way mm-hmm. um and so we've had a unique experience of being socialized <laughs> right into femininity and into right girlness and womanness And then making, you know, that decision to come out and say, that doesn't fit, it's never fit, you know, Mm. here's where, or it doesn't fit any longer for some people, right? Here's where I'm going and learning that, right? Being like, I'm going to intentionally socialize myself. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) what it means to be a man for me. And boy, is that a fraught process. That is a fraught (laughs) process.
2: That is
0: for sure. To say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So, in in having that conversation, maybe um, it would be interesting to start off with, um, like, what is one thing or a couple things about masculinity that, like, you had no idea about before you were, like, swimming in it yourself? That's good. Anyone have some some good ones?
2: Just a couple things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of the things that I think I knew about but didn't realize the extent of was the lack of emotions and mm. that expectation mm. that you do not display emotions unless oh. they're anger and rage and... Or jealousy or... Yeah, yeah, something very negative, something mm. very destructive, both to self and others. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, and the the way that you display those is also... It's not verbal. It's very physical. It's mm-hmm. very... In your face and I'm going to do something about this as a punishment, uh-huh. I would say, uh-huh. you know, instead of having a conversation because someone made you angry, you know, punching them in the face instead. Right. Not that I done that, but, <laughs> 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 but that that's kind of the expectation, um, in, in the grand scheme of maleness right. that, that that's how you operate. Yeah, that like,
0: emotions are only appropriate if they're physical. Right. Right. right, right, and, and like, if you're
2: doing them to someone else, like it's not even about what is it internally. Right, it's about externalizing it onto someone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, and if the internal looks stoic, right, it's like mm-hmm. you, men only have emotions inside; nobody sees them. Right, um, you know that's sort of the you carry it and do it like purse-lipped, right? Like you're just like
2: yeah. Um,
1: I think that's something I appreciate about. This is one thing I appreciate the about the religion I was raised in, Mormonism. Um, there's, um, it's very common in the Mormon faith to see men um, being emotional, crying, mm. comforting one another, sitting together like with their arms around one another, or, and it's not assumed to be gay. It's not, you know, it's just yeah. like it's like, um, I don't know. It's a different expectation of emotional like access, and I think that actually is because uh, Mormon men are expected to be fathers and be very involved uh, in their children's lives. And so okay. there's sort of a expectation of being able to handle your emotions and, um, in a more sort of visible sort of, you know, like, you know, in there's more accept, acceptance, I guess, for men to visibly be emotional. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is a fascinating thing because the, I mean, the Mormon religion is fraught with problems, you know, patriarchy sure. to the max. Um, but that has always been sort of a contradiction that I've found is interesting. Yeah. Um, and something where I think for me made it a little bit different because I had seen my, even though my father wasn't super involved in my life as a child, um, I saw him being emotional, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of more than perhaps other fathers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the things I have seen is like how ingrained some of the, like the rules Mm -hmm. of masculinity are. Uh So I... You know, it, it's been one of those things where sometimes it's it's almost like um, it's sort of National Geographic style. Like I have a field, field journal and binoculars, <laughs> yes. like, observing the man in his natural habitat. Um, which sounded really creepy when I said it out loud. But, <laughs> but doesn't... <laughs> so like, kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but one of the things I've noticed is, like, there are these, like sort of ingrained patterns so like um cisgender men are or people who are socialized as men um i find that there is this unconscious thing where if they are walking they will not be stopping so (laughs) women will move out of the way for them and it was it it occurred to me originally when I was like, oh sweet, when I'm running, like people just kind of move out of my way. Like, <laughs> like, oh, no. like, this is a great <laughs> They deal. just see that I'm so, exercising. Like, and yeah, going, I'm like yeah. going on a run. This is awesome. It's like, oh no, 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 they're seeing me as a dude. Okay, that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, and then I pointed it out to a friend of mine who is a cisgender woman and I was like, are you aware that this happens? And she's like, no, I would never move like that. I stand my ground, no way. And we were in an airport. And then she, like 10 minutes later, got up and went to the bathroom and came back. I was like, oh my God, I almost ran into two men because I was not going to move for them. Whoa! And it was like this immediate reinforcement for her that that was the thing that had happened. And I was like, I know, right? It is (laughs) bananas watching it happen. But it, you know, those kind of patterns, like the way that it, You know, it it would be one thing like if I was the only one that ever seen it and no one else had ever seen it before, but like now I've pointed out to several people who are like, "Oh my gosh, you are totally right." Right, and it's like being an outside observer. Sometimes Mm -hmm. these things happen. When I was like, "Is anyone else seeing this? Is anyone (laughs) seeing this dude being like such a total dude right now?" (laughs) Just me. Well, there have actually been studies
1: on this too right like that um, whether it's the not moving right and just assuming they're like for sister men that their uh, right of way is <laughs> their birthright mm-hmm. um, or taking up space right like man spreading yes. all man-spreading. over the exactly. place yep. or taking up verbal space right and dominating meetings and <sighs> all of that that's just that's a, that is part of the social construction mm-hmm. of being raised as a boy to become a man right mm-hmm. like that is that's what part of that socialization I guess
2: yeah yeah and it's interesting like being socialized and brought up as girls and young women like we learn to not take up space like I feel like that's rude like (laughs) (laughs) we just were on a plane and (laughs) a couple weeks ago and you know sitting next to somebody else and how you know one I one of the flights we were on, I was sitting in the middle seat, which is horrible. But um, anyway, about it. But So there's a, a, what I assumed to be a cisgender male on my left side and what I assumed to be a cisgender female on my right side. And it was so interesting, the difference between how much space they thought they had paid for Um, on that that airplane. And that's how I view it is I paid for like this armrest to this armrest. You're encroaching on my space. Like I will take some money from you. Um, (laughs) I've never said that. Maybe I should try that. But, um, you know, but for this guy to be taking up all of this space and for this woman to be like as small as she possibly could be, Even, you know, she was taking up half of her seat. He was taking up half of mine, which ended up working out because I could kind (laughs) of lean over. But, (laughs) but that kind of thing, that physical space of, and I've always known that, but I've never really articulated like what that looks like until now. Mm. And now I sometimes find myself purposely trying to take up more space, Uh like being like, no, I get this space too. And I don't know if it's just being more confident in myself or if it's also, partially that people are seeing me as male, so mm-hmm. that's okay mm-hmm. yeah. and expected. Like I would have never done that ten years ago. Right. Because I would have gotten in trouble. Right. But now it's like, okay, you're gonna do that and that's what you're gonna you know? Right. Like that expectation. Absolutely. I also
0: find myself sometimes like thinking about it as a as a performing. No, so it's like I like I should yes. I I can't be sitting this small because <laughs> someone will look at me and wonder what's wrong with this like guy? Wait. Right that's not normal and so like trying to and i really try and check myself in those moments and think like okay like where where is this coming from like am am i trying to be mindful of the person next to me because in that case like yes sit small sam go you you do you but if what i'm trying to do like if i'm if i'm like if i'm forcing myself to do something that doesn't feel natural yeah. like every once in a while i'll be sitting with my legs crossed and be like not manly enough Let's get a <laughs> little <no>. more sp- <laughs> <laughs> like just gonna need to get a little more spread in that and it's yeah. like is that really a thing that i need to do i don't think that it is yeah um but i'll like and yeah. even i so i took a shower at the gym today and i put out you listeners cannot hear cannot see this but i am wearing a v-neck that is is deeper than the average man would wear. And it's like, like an undershirt V neck. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a Hanes V neck specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Brown brand shout out. Um, I, I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, "Is that too deep a V neck for a dude?" And I was like, "Who's who
2: makes the rule? Like, what's I mean, a... not for Simon Cowell.
0: No, and that man can really that that's a deep V. It... <laughs> it's like Saturday Night Live level. The deep, the yeah. super deep V. Yeah, I was into
1: it yeah i those expectations though those are fascinating right like those for me in the workplace i've experienced mm. a shift in expectations a lot mm. um and that i mean that happened a long time ago but <laughs> when it happened it was fascinating because like i was used to like any right person who is perceived as the world as more feminine or could be a girl or is a girl right or a woman um treated very differently in the workplace. Like my very first job, uh, well, not my very first job, but my first like sort of professional job was in graphic design at ASU, the alumni magazine, two older white dudes were my bosses, one significantly older, close to retirement, one kind of mid career, just doing really well. The way that they talked to me in that position was completely different than anyone would imagine talking to me to, you know, like as a human being, like, right. Not because, not because I was new in my career, um, not because of my age, but just like the language that they would use mm-hmm. right, to refer to me or, um, the condescension, you know, mm-hmm. and like, at, there was a marked shift in my career, especially after a certain amount of time on testosterone and, you know, with facial hair and just passing, I I realized that it was, this was interesting. I had uh, I worked for a nonprofit at the time, a social service nonprofit, and um, the new executive director was a woman who was just you know on top of her career, really bright person, amazing, great leader. I noticed though in our staff meetings that sometimes she would defer to me, um, and I was just like, "What is happening? You are the boss. Like, yeah. why are you asking me to make a decision or like?" for more information. Like I'm looking to you for that information. And like, I noticed that this pattern kept happening and in other jobs, you know, it would happen again. And then I was like, Oh, this is what it is to be a man in the workplace. Yeah. This is socialization, right? Mm-hmm. This is people, even someone who has way more right to have an opinion than I do. She's the boss, you know, and right. still making sure to check in with her two male employees. Totally not, Something she should do. Right. She's the boss, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. we should follow her lead, right? That's the job. um But that was like that was shocking for me. Yeah. Just like that shift and checking myself constantly in the workplace mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm not usurping the leadership of women that I work with, or that I'm constantly giving. Like if we're working, if I'm working with like a, a woman or a team of women. Uh, right now, I work with as consultants, two amazing, incredible women, Sharifa Rowe and Stephanie Cordell. They're amazing. Shout out to them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, you know, like I probably like sort of overly try to credit Mm. their genius and expertise because they are genius and have a lot of expertise. But also like people will just assume it's me unless Mm -hmm. I'm super verbal, you know, just like, no, that's Stephanie. (laughs) Like that's, I had nothing to do with that. No, that's Sharifa. She's the best facilitator you could have. Like. I'm just, I'm doing Mm -hmm. some graphics. Like that's them, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: I had an interesting experience work-wise just this past week. And I haven't even told Anne about it because I, it still like kind of blows me away. So we, um, I, my current job is the same job I've been doing for a while, but it's at a new company and I've been there since and end of September, beginning of October officially. So like four or five months. And so every January they do their annual reviews and your mm-hmm. like goals for the next year and if the company's done well, you get a bonus, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking I go into it thinking, you know, I don't really know what to expect. I'm not expecting a raise. I'm not expecting a bonus. I've been there for like four or five months. So go in and the review is kind of like this is kind of your baseline, you're doing well, blah, blah, blah. And you know, you're gonna get a bonus. This is how much you're getting based on, you know, the company's performance. I'm like, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's a, like, Merry Christmas to me. Super duper. -duper. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I will take that even though the government's going to take, you know, 40% of it. That's fine. Um, So, and then I find out that I'm getting uh, like a very small, like a 1% raise, Mm -hmm. which at my last company, that would have been like, oh, you're doing well. Cause like they maybe gave out one to 2% raises. Um, So I'm like, okay, cool. Like been here for four or five months. Fantastic. Bonus and a raise. Exactly. Winning. Like it's <laughs> not a whole lot of money over the course of a year, but cool. yeah, yeah. So being that yeah. it's the baseline, I came over with like probably twenty to twenty five of my coworkers from my last company. Uh-huh. and so, and I, and there's two of them in particular that I'm good friends with, and that I've known because I worked there pre-transition, uh-huh. then came back and and they've been I've known them for that long, and they're great. so, and they're both um cisgender females. They're both older than me have been in the field longer. Mm-hmm. So one of them mm-hmm. found out about the bonus. So, and we talk about everything cause we're super close. We're really transparent with each other. Right. Um, so one of them who is on my team also found out about the bonus. And so I'm like, okay, everybody got that. Like everyone got the bonus. If one person gets it, everybody gets it right. kind of, unless you're a really horrible employee and then there's other issues. Right. Um, so she's like, yeah, I got the bonus. And I said something about like the 1% raise and she's like, what are you talking about? Oh. Oh. I'm like, well, it's like a quarter and hour. like we recently switched from salary to hourly. I'm like, oh, it's sucks. like a quarter. Like it's really not a big deal. And she's just like, where did you see that? And I'm like, Oh, it's on this form. And yeah. I sent her a picture of like the heading of the form. It's like, I was like, it's, it's in the middle of this page right. without showing her all of my, my pay and stuff. Sure. And she's like, yeah, I didn't get that. Wow. And then the other one is like, I didn't even find out about the bonus. Whoa, like WTF, like what's happening. And so I'm like, Oh God, like I shouldn't have said anything not thinking. And I don't know that it has anything to do with, (laughs) with me being male or not, Sure, but it's like, but wait a minute. They both have, I mean, twice as much experience right. as I do. Yeah. Well,
1: and statistically, it probably does have everything to do with you being a man. Absolutely. And just shout out for wage transparency. Like, it's good to talk to the people you work with about how much money you make. Yeah. And when you get bonuses and when you get raises, because now those two women know that they can go and say... Actually, I know I'm performing really well, and I deserve a 1% raise, or I deserve a 1.5% right. raise. Yeah, like and I'm thinking... give them something to negotiate with.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. you guys are doing just as well as I am, and right. we're all sinking. Like, right. we're barely keeping our heads above water. Right,
1: and if you share with one another, right. you know, when you're getting those bonuses and exactly. those raises, you can then together be like, you know, actually, no, you're going to pay all of us better. <laughs> like right. This is how this works.
2: And it really kind of deflated me a little bit, because uh-huh. this company is going to be paying for these surgeries that I'm having, like Mm there's, they're a really good company to work for if you're part of the LGBTQ community and very um, trans, specifically trans friendly and, um, and all of that. so I was like, that's really disappointing to me. Yeah, that is. And something so minimal, I mean, you're talking about a few hundred dollars over the course of a year. Right. Yeah. And that's not even being matched. So now, like, I'm kind of curious. Like, I want to talk to the other guys uh-huh. that came across, you know, that I've also known and be like, hey, how'd your review go? Like, what happened with that? Yeah. Um, Because it was just like that. Wow. Yeah. yeah that did not just happen, but it it did. And then I'm like, I shouldn't have said anything. But I should. You're right. The, yeah. the transparency is, is super important. Right. For everybody.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how... That's how we can, even in our own sort of, uh, capacity, be allies, right. As mm-hmm. men, um, to women, right. And to yeah. other marginalized groups in the workplace, certainly, um, is to, to be real about that and hope that cisgender men do that too. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, they're probably benefiting even more, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from all of that.
0: So, yeah. I think that brings up a really interesting point. So I, um, I was giving a presentation to a class, um, a, a, like a gender and sociology class. And so mm. it's always fun to get to go be the trans guy who stands yeah. in front of a classroom of, like, 19, 20-year-olds. And it, like, totally blows their mind that, like, like really less than half of the classroom had ever spent any significant time with a person who was trans. So we're, like, having these, we're having these conversations. And I, like... The the professor was so fantastic. She's she's cisgender, but she was like, I'll have them write their questions on note cards, and then, <laughs> like, and then I'll, I can weed them out. And I was like, No, yeah. no, hand me the stack of note cards. Nice. Like no. hand, like and and if there's a question in there that I don't want to answer, I'll say like, here's why I'm not going to answer this question, mm. or like, here's how you can check your language around this, or like, like I mm-hmm. showed up in the space to to be an educator right. and to speak to yes. the, speak to the room in that way. Yeah. So we're having this conversation. And so one of the guys is like, well, you know, guys like to mess around with each other a lot. And you know, like sometimes they'll be like, man, you're such a girl. Like, does that offend you? Because you were born a woman. And I was like, well, actually that's a, I think there's a really fascinating question. Um, that offends me because there's nothing offensive about being a girl. And some of the strongest people I know are women and girls and like the people I admire most in the world. Um, and so it really should offend you too. Um <laughs> right. Yes. right. Like, yeah. yeah. That's actually maybe and, a compliment. That's yeah. it's not a diss. Really. Right. Like and so it's like it doesn't offend me because I'm trans. It offends me because it's an offensive concept and as a feminist, yeah. I I don't like I I'll stand up against that 8 days a week. Yes. And um and he he looked like his mind had been completely blown to have this like to be challenged in that way, like, yeah. oh, I thought that would be offensive because you're. Tr- I don't know what to do with this, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> the like the the facial contortions, um, and and so you know, I think that um, it was it was a powerful moment of me saying like, I am a man and I identify as a feminist and I'm willing to say that out loud, uh-huh. and I'm willing to call you on the carpet for not. Identifying as a feminist, um, awesome. and it's been this really interesting thing to be a male feminist, um, and I think that that would that's a maybe interesting conversation. Like, oh, absolutely. Do you both identify
2: that way? Yeah, that's a whole another. I was thinking that's a whole other <laughs> con- conversation that has um, come up a lot on social media with some pretty prominent trans men. Oh. Um, Aiden Dowling, in really? particular, has um, he's got. Um, his clothing company that Mm -hmm. started out as a fundraiser for him to have top surgery and, and it's now a business, um, 0.5 CC. And he recently came out with, um, a shirt and I I believe that it says the graphic is like Mr. Feminist or Mm -hmm. something to that effect, Um, um, or, or something like that. But the idea of it is that men can be feminists. Um, Mm -hmm. and so he posted it on his Instagram and, and was like, you know, these new shirts are coming out, um, they'll be available on this date, whatever kind of marketing. And it started this whole conversation of people's comments about, no, you can't be a feminist because you're a guy and guys cannot be feminists because, and just launching this whole thing, uh, trying to say that feminism is a concept and an ideology that you must be female and And part of that part of the population in order to be a feminist. And so it was an interesting conversation. And what really blew my mind is that some of those comments were coming from other trans men. And saying, no, I can't be a feminist anymore because I'm not, I don't identify as female. I identify as male. And so that disqualifies me from being a feminist. And and I like I, I just had to just stop reading it because I was getting really angry about all these people being like, "No, men can't be feminists," and and I don't know what the answer is, hmm. whether or not that's like a real thing. Like, can you not be a feminist if you identify as male? I mean, so, that's, a, <laughs> that's that, like a whole other podcast. I feel like but, that is a
0: whole other podcast. But I also think that I mean, as a part of like our culture, mm-hmm. tells us that in order to be masculine. Like that part of that is to assert dominance and to and to like someone has to be under you. Uh Yes. Like that that's the way masculinity works. Is that it's intended and so I wonder if that is a just a feature of masculinity to say like no no you can't be a feminist anymore because you can't both be masculine and be unwilling to put somebody else
2: under you. Right. And I wonder if that's really what's at the heart of of that argument of no, you can't be a feminist. And I think in in the trans male community, especially, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of misogyny in the world. Yes. I think there are certain kind of corners of the trans male community that there's a lot more of it. Like it's amplified so much more because you feel like you have to be on that end of the spectrum, you know, for people to see you as male. Like you have to be right. infinitely... Macho and masculine and misogynistic. I'm not just male.
1: I'm
0: super male.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and conflating of maleness and masculinity with misogyny, like that's Mm -hmm. what's toxic, right? Yes. Actually, misogyny is not. It doesn't have to be a part of maleness or masculinity um, because there are lots of masculine women, far more than me, in the world. You know, like I mean, I know lots of amazing. I love masculine women. Big fan. Um, (laughs) But. Like, so so I looked up uh, Bell Hooks' definition of feminism. Okay. I'm okay. a big fan. Um, so she says, uh, uh, To be feminist in any authentic sense of the term is to want for all people, female and male, liberation from sexist role patterns, domination, and oppression. Um, simply put feminism is a movement to end sexism sexist e- exploitation and oppression um and in short like gender right and sex-based oppression yeah um, I mean, and that for me i think that applies to all human beings right because absolutely uh you know women are hurt by um these the gender binary by all of these expectations around um role right around how you act in society um so are men right Men are yeah. hurt by that too like uh I'm a big fan of, you know, feminisms for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how we get free. <laughs> that's how we seek liberation yeah. Um, yeah. from that kind of oppression. So I, one thousand and fifty percent identify as a feminist and always have, you know, mm-hmm. before and after transition. Um, but it became even more important to me after transition to, um, to be very vocal about being a feminist mm-hmm. um, because that's like, that's what makes my life possible. Like I don't get the transition without, Feminism, you know, right. like to be real honest, Absolutely, like, I don't get to be the man that I am today without feminism deconstructing mm-hmm. um, and starting this movement to really end that kind of oppression. So.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's more important, not even just as, as trans men, but it really is important for us to say, yeah. And I would say I identify maybe pre-transition. I don't know that I would have put that label on myself, huh. Um Maybe because I was also at a point where, like, who cares what I am kind of a thing. Like, labels were just not appealing to me. Sure. Um, I would say I'm a feminist um, because my wife would kill me if I wasn't. But <laughs> <laughs> be like a praying mantis, like, you know, <laughs> being eaten. Um, but I think it's even more important for us to speak up. Yeah. and And unfortunately part of why I feel that way is because we're listened to uh-huh. differently yeah, so and true. more so. And it's kind of like, I don't like that that's the reality of our world right. and our society, but it is. So I almost feel more obligated to be louder because I know that people are going to listen to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if I can, u- it's, you know, we, I feel like Sam, every time we see each other, we're talking about privilege in some, in <laughs> some fashion. Always. It always <laughs> comes up. And we were talking about last night, like using your privilege. Yes. For a good thing. And, and that's important. And Michael, I think you just posted something about um, Cynthia Nixon at an uh-huh. HRC yeah. that's event. That's
1: a good example of that. Using, oh, using
2: your privilege, using yes. that literal microphone to say, hey, wait a minute. I'm glad to be here. Right. But you know what? We've got these other people that are still part of our community that are being killed. Exactly. Um, and bringing that light. Like you have to know when you have the privilege. Yep. And you have to know that you can use it for good. You don't just have to perpetuate all the bad stuff. Exactly.
1: And we have really unique access to that, like you were saying. right? We have an opportunity to be sort of extra loud about that. Mm -hmm. Um, This week I was asked to facilitate a meeting for... Um, the Cactus Pine Girl Scouts so here in Phoenix. Awesome. Um, and uh, we're gonna be doing this in the future. And I'm just, I was a Cactus
0: Pine Girl Scout. Uh, so was I. And I <laughs> shared that with the person who asked if I would oh facilitate gosh. this. At the how, end, that's awesome. how did that go? <laughs> it was awesome. It was so cool. like, you
1: know, she was like explaining the situation and giving me like all this information. It was like, are you interested in, you know, facilitating this? And I was like, yeah, I want to totally. This sounds great. I was like, also, you know, I have a particular passion for Girl Scouts because I was a Girl Scout. I was like, you know, I was like, I'm trained. I was a Girl Scout. That was my scouting experience. And she was just like, that's maybe the coolest thing that anybody said to me in and,
2: <laughs> and now you're even more qualified. But,
1: but, like, you know, like for me, that's one of those fun moments in life where A, I get to out myself. Yes. Um, and I get to sort of like shift those expectations around gender, around masculinity, around experience, right? Where I get to be like, you would not guess today if you just were sitting and talking to me, and this person we know each other, she's never guessed before that I was a Girl Scout. But I get to be like, yeah, I'm thrilled to be asked to do this. (laughs) Girl Scouts made me the man I am today. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, I'm I'm going to make t-shirts for us. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. Yes. Absolutely. And then start
2: selling them. Yes. And yes. (laughs) That would <laughs> making, I'm really into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Podcasting
0: audience, look out for that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: but it's, you know, that's just a fun moment. I, yeah. I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that to you, you made a point, Shane, that I thought was really interesting. And it sort of links back to our earlier conversation. Like if we want cisgender people to stand and be allies for us in those moments, then we also have a role as allies, uh-huh. and so especially in a room where folks don't know I'm trans, if I can spend my time amplifying the voice of women around me, yes. that is like that is the way as a like as a feminist man to be an ally to mm-hmm. the women around me, Absolutely. And, and it is this like odd thing like there is space for me in a room that there never was before, yes. where now it's like like there is sort of societal expectation to take up a lot of space and it is easy to not be mindful of that. Uh-huh. I will uh-huh. not say that I am always great at it. Like right. It is easy right. to be like, okay, well, I can certainly take off running with this meeting and then be like, oh, did I just take up all the air in that room? Like, did I just yeah. just man the fuck out of that meeting? <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and so yeah. trying to stay mindful of that and, and hopefully people will check me Mm -hmm. on that if that is true because i don't like i i really do try to be mindful of it and show up as an ally in that way well in the like i it it was not very far into my transition that i realized that um like even jokingly using the word bitch oh yeah no was a was a hard pass Uh and it was was one of the it was a moment where i was like i was about to say it and i like floated up out of my body and looked at myself (laughs) and was like don't you fucking dare sam would you not yours you may not have it and it was it was it was like get it was like getting punched in the chest Uh where i was like oh this is one of those things that looks totally different now
1: uh shane do you have any closing thoughts any last
0: uh
2: gems you want to share (laughs) gems um Nothing in particular. I came into this knowing, like when when we were talking about this, when we were all together and talking about, oh, we should do a podcast. I was like, sure. I don't even know what that means. Um, I'm not a huge list. I'm not a listener. Not even huge. I'm not going to throw an adjective in there. I don't listen to podcasts typically, um, unless I see like a snippet of one, you know, a clip or something um, online, but. Um, so I didn't know what to expect so like now coming in I'm like oh I want to do this all the time (laughs) it's it's nice to actually sit down and be and like have these conversations that need to be had Um, and yeah it was just a really cool experience I didn't know what to expect so I had a good time so well thank you so much for making time and for being our guest and absolutely
1: this again and I really appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts in your
0: story uh with our audience
2: absolutely happy to do it
0: thank you for your time and um i do believe that this is the kind of thing these conversations that we are having um have the potential to you know illuminate things for people in different yeah. ways and so i'm uh, thankful that you took some time on your saturday to come talk with us yeah absolutely thanks buddy <laughs>
1: So for this episode's Ally Moment, we're going to be talking about pronouns. pronouns.
0: So really in the world, the only people who ever talk about pronouns are English teachers and trans folks. (laughs) And here is one way that allies can make a big impact. If allies normalize talking about pronouns, then trans folks don't have to be the only ones doing that.
1: Yes. So it's only awkward to ask people for their pronouns when Mm. you don't ask everyone. If you start asking everyone what pronouns they want you to use, it becomes easy to ask anyone.
0: Yeah, and there are also other ways you can do that in a really passive way. So I have seen, especially at lots of educational institutions, folks have their pronouns as a part of their signature line of their email. So what that does is it opens up the conversation. And as an ally, it makes you a safe person to Uh talk about pronouns with. Yes.
1: You could also do that in other passive ways like name tags. Mm Mm-hmm or uh, the tent, the table tent things that have your name on them. Anything like that. Super simple to just include pronouns with the name.
0: Yeah, and the more so like if, so say you're a trainer at your organization and you're having everybody make table tents for a training, you could have, as a rule, everyone put your name and write your pronouns. And when people ask about that, you can make a point about how it creates an inclusive workspace. That is one way that allies can really show up and um, provide a, some cushion for their trans coworkers and trans loved ones. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe
1: so you don't miss out on a single new episode.
0: Our music is by Skylar Kergel. Check him out at SkylarKergel.com where you can see what he's up to and link to all his social media.
1: We want to hear from you. You can connect with us on TransformPod.com or on Facebook at TransformPod.
0: We appreciate all your questions and feedback, so please email us at transformpod at gmail.com.
1: We really encourage your thoughtful and positive feedback. If you disagree with us, that's fine, but we will not engage in any name-calling or dehumanizing talks, so please just don't do it.
0: Thanks for going Beyond the Transition with us.
2: Please tell me a story.